Oh, hello there. Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and I just had a really good piece of cheese. I'm very happy about it. This episode is with Alex Plappinger, who is an animation executive producer who's going to share how you can get into producing as well and how to do a really, really, really good job at it to the point that you'll start getting calls from studios who want to work with you. That's basically the point that Alex is at now, and he's worked on some really cool things, including producing a whole bunch of shorts for FXX's Cake, including Swan Boy, The Beings, and The Dream. In the past, he's also produced a bunch of other cool projects like Water Bear, Desert Island, All Star Party, Piggy, and tons of other stuff for TV and short film. And on top of this, in our chat, he's going to share what 99% of your role as a producer ends up being, as well as how to make budgeting decisions, which is super important and good to know. And he's going to talk about how to build trust among your peers so that you are first on their list to work with. So without further ado, let's jump in. Alex, thanks for coming on the chat. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure is mine. Uh, <laughs> so I want to talk all about, you know, what life is like as a producer, how you get into it. I was looking into some of your history and, you know, you have an English degree. How did that play a role in uh, you getting to where you are today as an executive producer on some really cool projects? Mm, if it played uh, a role. Interesting. I, you know, I mean, I guess the reason I was an English major in general was just that I always loved reading and I loved like everything from like books to plays. I would like read scripts when I was in like high school. I was just like sort of obsessive about like film and and really like entertainment sort of at large. And like the kind of only way you can study that is like being an English major. <laughs> like not a, like I went to a college that now has a film program, but like didn't really have a big one at the time. And so um, it was like the closest thing I could do was like get sort of a traditional English major that had like a small focus in, in film specifically. And, um, but I think that was like a really good thing because it ended up being sort of like an access point for like studying lots of different things and lots of different forms and like, you know, novels to essays to short stories and all these different things. And that sort of like flexibility was like, I think ultimately like a very helpful thing to work in like lots of different formats or like appreciate different voices and appreciate that like different voices express themselves in different ways. And like, you know, I'm sort of someone who likes lots of different things. It's not like I like just like one specific thing and one thing only. And I feel like that that major was sort of like a broad access point, but I mean, how is like an industry actually helpful to me in terms of what I do now in terms of getting a job? I don't think really probably at all whatsoever. <laughs> like, okay, so well, that's I like how you, you know, you use your English degree to kind of learn some more soft skills about perspectives. And you were just like, I like reading, I'm gonna get a degree in this. Um, tell me how you got your first, you know, thinking about your executive producer, producer career. What was the first role that you got that kind of led you to the path that you are on now? And how did you get it? And how did you decide that this was going to be for you after being like, I like reading films? Um, it's funny, like towards the end of college, I had done like a bunch of different summer jobs, but going into college, I was like, I want to work in film and television. I didn't even like know what that meant. I just wanted to do it. And then I did sort of like nothing about that. And then at, actually like was offered a job to go work in like finance in New York and was like, I really don't think I want to do this at all. I don't all. want to be rich. I don't, yeah, I definitely don't want to make money. I want to stress about money for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, so I sort of was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go to Los Angeles and like try and figure this out. 
Um, I very I emailed like a handful of alum that went to my college. One of them responded and they were like, hey, you can just come intern at our office in Venice. And it was this company that had made like a lot of sort of like controversial indie films in like the 90s and 2000s. And as soon as I got there, I was like, this is really cool, but I think I should like find a real job someplace maybe with like real people. And I ended up going to Lionsgate. I got like a paid internship working as like a second assistant to the CEO. And it was like a really cool job to be in because I still didn't know like what I wanted to do exactly. I didn't know that there was a job that like is what I do now. I was sort of like, I just want to be in entertainment. And I was in this position where I could see what everybody did. Like I could see everything from like distribution, marketing, music, digital. And then when I realized like, oh, there's a division that is in charge of like reading and finding material and then making the movies, I was like, that's where I want to be. And so I started like reading a lot and like eventually made my way into that group. Nice. Um, how did you find this role originally? You just like reached out to an ad or something? I found out about it maybe through like the UTA jobs list. There was like a mm. list that used to circulate. This was like 16 years ago where like, I think it still exists where like, they'd be like, here's every like assistant job that's out there. And then they would be inundated with resumes. And I think I had like a friend of a friend who was able to like connect me to someone who was at Lionsgate. And that was like enough of like a personal connection to have like my resume surfaced. And then uh, I got the job. So how realistic is it to do the classic move to LA and start a career from your I think it's like pretty, I think it's really realistic. I think what it comes down to yeah. is um, you definitely, I don't know how it is now for me. I really found that like trying to get a job out here before you're in LA is like near impossible. Hmm. Like you sort of, I was like, my experience and most of my friends' experiences was that was like, you have to be here and then you just have to throw like a million things against the wall and you just meet people. Like if you come out here and you meet other people in their like early twenties who are trying to find their way in all these different paths, one by one, they're going to start locking into things. They're going to get jobs at like studios or production companies or agencies. And then they're now like really in the stream of hearing about like, oh, there's a job opening up over there and they can be like, I have a friend and get you in. And like, it, it really is like, I find this on like the creative side as well, like for coming out here and being present and like forging really genuine relationships with people who like you like and feel like you share a mind with, whether it's like creatively or professionally, like that's like the core of like everything good that happens in people's yeah. careers out here. Nice. Okay. So you, you started this internship where you're like, can see everything from marketing and budgets and what's going on, et cetera. There's like some kind of, I don't know if it's like a pivotal moment where suddenly a production is trusting you to handle all that stuff, you know, like versus helping somebody else. So was there a specific role or time where, where you were like, I'm, I've done learning or I'm still learning, but now I can be the person who's coordinating and, and producing this yeah, it would. it's sort of uh, maybe a little bit more convoluted. It wasn't quite as like quick a transition to that. Like I can go into more specifics, but essentially the way it works in like the studio system for the most part is like you're super segmented in terms of like what you do. And like, especially as like, especially in like a feature division, I was at Lionsgate, like, you know, my division was really in charge of like finding scripts and finding talent and bringing them in and deciding to buy things. And then there was like another division that was like really in charge of like, okay, we're really on top of the physical production and like budgeting this and scheduling it and like, where are we going to make this? So, you know, my sort of trajectory was like, when I was at Lionsgate, I got 
really I got really good at like finding material and finding people and being like this is someone new that's worth knowing about and that was sort of how I also figured out like I'm good at finding new voices like I'm not someone who's like other people I don't I don't work on a lot of things because like representatives send them to me I'm like finding them sort of like out in the world or within like a community and then servicing them and then so I figured out I was really good at that that helped me figure out my taste as well like what do I actually like which helped me realize that I shouldn't be at Lionsgate because I just like wasn't quite aligned with like what they were making at that time. I was like, I like independent voices and I like comedy. Like those are the two things that I, and I like where those worlds inter interact. And I heard about this company Rough House coming together that was like David Gordon Green and Dan McBride and uh, Jody Hill's company. And they just make like, they just made Eastbound season one and Pineapple Express and George, uh, George Washington and all the real girls like, David had made like all these incredible indie films and I was like, that's where I should be. And that's where I actually, when I went over there, right when that company was starting, that was a place where I was starting to like evolve a little bit more to like, Oh, I'm both finding things and now I'm getting involved in like the making of them a little bit more. Yeah. And then I had sort of another job after that where I got into it more and more until the point where like bit by bit, I got more exposure and then it was like, okay, now you can really just sort of like run this thing like soup to nuts. So it sounded like you started up to a point where you're like, I don't really know what I want to do. But then you got exposure to all these things. And you're like, I like doing many things. And then you actively pursued working at places that uh, matched your taste or yeah, exactly. where you wanted to go. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly. So, what, that's exactly so what when you're applying to like, uh, places, like, why are they picking you? What is what, what are the skills that you focus on? You know, you kind of said taste and finding independent voices that you bring to the table where somebody's like, we need Alex to come work on this project versus somebody else, you know? Um, you're saying like at the time or, or now? Both, who knows, whatever. Now I think like, well, at the time, I think I was just very, uh, you know, persistent and really passionate. And I really loved identifying people early and like cultivating them and figuring out like what they should be working on. And like um, being someone who would like really, really like work hard or to like get what it is that they want to do and like really engage with them and dig in. Um, and so I think I got like a pretty good reputation for like being able to identify interesting talent, filmmakers, artists, animators, performers. Um, and then that was sort of like born out over time. Cause sometimes you identify these people and then like five years later, they sort of blow up, but you're like, I've been telling you this whole time, this person is incredible. And then like finally gets born out. And now, and I think that like that, that now I think has just sort of um, sort of expanded where like now my, my main thing that I do is, you know, identifying and working with, with people who I think have like really, really singular voices, a very clear point of view, very specific like style or sensibility, whether it's animation or, or live action and, and be that like really intimate sort of like creative thought partner basically on a project like soup to nuts, you know, not just in terms of like, developing like what's the idea that you should focus on but like really in the the making of it whether it's like the writing or putting the team together like really like intimately understanding what that person like wants to do and sort of like be there alongside every step of the way to like protect that and make it happen and sometimes sometimes people don't know how to say that like articulate that for themselves and like help figure out how you say those things out loud or be like I want this kind of person and I can be like you don't know that person exists, but they do. And this is who they are and they should be on this project and like put them together. So before it was like a little bit more development based when I was like an, on the executive side, 
now that I'm independent and like more producing and show running, I'm able to like really take that role on like soup to nuts on a project, like way more holistically and comprehensively. Sounds like being a people person is a huge part of what you do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely, I definitely think that's the case. And I feel like a big part of like, I like what I get to do now because you know, I sit on Zooms every single day, you know, like back to back, but working on these projects, but they're basically also like Zooms of my friends, you know, like the people who make the stuff that I love are the people that I also, you know, just love sort of spending time with as well. So it's all about like, um, I want to talk about uh, your current project cake, but uh, okay, so you said a lot of things that are interesting to me as like a animator creator, you know, like an independence artist. Yeah. Um, you said you're actively like finding independent artists, I guess. How do you do that? Like, you know, how do I get myself more known to executive producers like yourself to work yeah. on cool projects? Uh, do I just like hope for the best one day somebody finds my work or should I be like actively making connections with, uh, you know, Alex and his, his projects being like, yeah, I, 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 I mean, like I, animating. I think it's, I think, I think it's, um, it's a, it's a whole host of things. I mean, for sure, there's like nothing better for anyone who's like, an, you know, emerging animator that's coming out and sort of like flexing what they're doing and figuring it out in school or out of school, like finding ways to just make as much of stuff as possible is like essential. And then, once you have those things that can kind of like represent your voice and what you do, um, just getting exposure on them any way you can. So like whether it's like posting stuff on Instagram or putting stuff on Vimeo. So are you and, scrolling and, through Instagram all the time and just all the time? Or... All the time. Okay. Yeah. I'm on Vimeo constantly. And then I think the other thing, and so then I think there are two things. One, I think I'm like maybe in keeping with what I've been saying, like I'm a really big believer in finding your community and like finding other people who are like-minded. So I think it's super helpful to find other animators who you like their work and, and get on their radar and become friends because they'll sort of like signal blast you if, if you signal blast them in certain ways and, and you get sort of absorbed in this creative community. And so I find now, now that I've done a lot of animation in like a lot of different sort of uh, styles and with people in like, you know, the UK and Europe, as well as like New York or LA or wherever. Now, like those animators, when they come across someone new who they really like, they're like, hey, you should check out this person. And like, they'll introduce me to them, you know, like, I you gotta check out this guy, Terry. Hey. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, I, I think something else that's like really is worth doing is if you kind of know yourself and what you like and, and the types of things you want to be working on, if you can see examples of that out in the world, like if someone was like, if you know, to be self-aggrandizing, if someone was like, they watched Swan Boy and they watched like Black Death or something, like two project, anime projects I worked on for, for Cake, like then chances are they have like a pretty similar sensibility to the stuff that I do for them for the most part. And who knows whether there's something to work on at this moment or not, but like reach out to me, you know, like it's good to like forge those like relationships as early as possible and be like, we're, we're into similar stuff and maybe my name will come up again five years from now or who knows. So you totally don't mind if somebody just, you know, cold reaches out to you and they're like, Hey, I make this kind of art. I, it, I feel like it's similar to this type of stuff that you've produced. Like might be good to know each other. I, I love it. I mean, I honestly love it. Cool. I mean, some, you know, there's, it's like a mix. Sometimes you have to be like, Oh, that's really cool that you feel that way. 
I don't respect <laughs> this as much, like because you don't. Not everyone loves everything, but I, there are hundred percent people that I work with now who, who, who have done that, or people that like who have done that where I haven't. We haven't worked on something together yet. There hasn't been like the right project or something, but like I completely pay attention to them and like track yeah. them over nice. years. I mean, it almost sounds creepy when I say track them like that, but fair enough. Like, Stock them like, is a better. Having term. them on the radar is like really it's helpful. You know, I like, I like what you said, you know, like if you put yourself out there, but also get engaged in a community and reach out to people you think you would want to work with. So tell me, you know, cake sounds like a perfect project for you. If you love independent animators and like finding new voices and stuff, tell me how you ended up on cake. Like, were you asked to come on because of your track record or did you, you know, see previous projects or seasons and say like, this is something I want to work on guys. I'm the, I'm your guy. Um, it, the, the, the way that I got involved with cake was, um, so before I went independent, I was an executive for, like I said, for 10 years at, at a couple companies. And while I was at those companies, I sort of made my way, I came out here looking to work in film and I ended up doing more and more TV. It's like more, can you, sorry, can you just explain the difference between working at a company and an independent executive, like executive, I think I have a good idea, but I'm just wondering. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So there are basically. I worked at, um, the main thing is that basically if you're at a company, you know, you're at, there's like a whole organization and there's like infrastructure and people around you. Typically, you know, these companies ex exist because they have money or they have distribution or they have like a big name talent at the top of it. And there's like a shingle where there are a bunch of people working towards like trying to make things and kind of like grow that company. And they tend to have like a pretty specific mandate. So like whether it's Lionsgate, which is a studio that like develops and produces and releases films, or like Rough House, which is a production company that um, is started by three amazing filmmakers who want to like cultivate and produce similar stuff. Those are like, you know, sort of like full on multi-person entities that are like working within the industry in these different ways. As an independent producer, typically you're working as like, you're just you basically. You're just like a one man band that's sort of like, um, working on a variety of individual projects, sometimes in a variety of different ways, um, and often like partnering with other production companies or, or like looking to sell things to studios. But you're you're completely independent and basically, you know, the, there's a lot of risk in that, but there's also a huge amount of like upside and opportunity because it chances are it means you just get to work on things that like you personally are really passionate about and really care about. And you're not sort of, uh, in my eyes, at least, you're not having to sort of like just focus on the mandate of an organization that with your that you're within. You get to sort of really um, focus on things that like represent your own interests, which for me was like a, a shift that was very uh, like very invigorating to make. That like made yeah. a big difference sort of in my in my career. And when did you make when did you make this shift? I made it in like 2015. I had been. After so Rough 10, House, I 10 years months. into your career, basically. Yeah, I basically spent 10 years as an executive. And then, um, you know, I was seeing what was happening within the sort of like the traditional industry and seeing how there was this sort of uh, shift where people were really prioritizing making projects that were based on like existing IP, like, um, you know, just like sort of the birth of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and like things that were, you know, remaking uncle buck or stuff or stuff like that and um i understand why that was happening from like a broader industry business standpoint but like it personally wasn't that interesting to me because like i've been saying i i like you know new emerging voices people are trying to do new things have original ideas and are trying to like evolve 
the conversation around like all yeah. of these these mediums and like contributing to it and not to say that those movies don't do that but it's sort of like it's sort of like a more like a bonus when they do that rather yeah. than like the purpose of them so one of the projects two projects came out in 2015 um don't hug me i'm scared out of the uk and high maintenance on vimeo and like before it was on hbo and i was like these are my favorite things like this is what i want to spend all my time working on stuff like this that's is this like has this much of like an independent spirit and is this original and like as much of like a full meal creatively and just sort of like took a risk and decided that i was just going to try and go do that and like just really commit to trying to support and work with the filmmakers that were coming up that I thought were like really special. So you're working full-time at a company and then one day you're like, goodbye, cut ties. Yes. Now yeah. I'm going to just try to do things on my own. And you had nothing lined up. Um, Cause I'm wondering I, why can't you work at a full-time company and then, you know, slowly work on side projects. Like, do you have exclusivity contracts where they're like, you can't work you know, on anything every else? Is, every company is different. Um, and I think there are some instances where people do work on projects outside of their company, but I think that's, extremely rare hmm. and and for the most part like when you are writing when you're like developing and producing stuff you're supposed to be doing that like exclusively for the organization that you're a part of yeah even to the point where like then they can blame you if something goes wrong they'll be like yeah, exactly. Alex, Alex <laughs> yeah. working on this other project that's why we went a million dollars over budget <laughs> yeah i mean you know people are very organizations are rightly like very possessive of of the projects and like what their executives and personnel work on because these things can go on to have like extraordinary value and success and like, you know, I was like leaving these leaving when you leave a job, typically we reach a certain level and you have to be like pretty specific about like things that you're still participating in or not. And, you know, 99% mm. of the time, the big organization has, is the gorilla that like has all the power and, and they're going to yeah. be like, guess what? You're not working on this. This is ours. So, um, so yeah. Um, wow. Well, that's a, that's a huge a big, risk, but it seems like it paid off. Yeah, knock on wood. <laughs> well, okay, so tell me how you got cake. So when I was in those jobs, I ended up uh, developing and selling a bunch of projects to FX and right. mostly animated shows. And so then when I left and I was independent, I was sort of, um, I've been doing a lot of stuff in the animation space. And this one animator that I've been working with emailed me and said, hey, I've got this like short form thing I made. Do you want, would you be down to check it out? And it was this guy named Gustav Lindstrom, who was a Swedish animator based in London. And he sent me this short for something called Plankton. And it was this like comedy short about these beautifully rendered, like photorealistic Plankton, having these conversations about, you know, being insignificant and sort of like having these banal, but very funny interactions. And I thought it was like incredible. And I'd heard that FX was doing short form stuff. And so I emailed the executive um, who I knew there, this person, Kate Lambert, and I was like, hey, I heard that you're doing, you know, interesting animated short form stuff. What do you think of this? Like, would you want to, would you like this? Do you want to do some more of this? Just help trying to help the guy out. And uh, she was really into it. And we ended, she was like, yeah, let's make 10 episodes of it. And so, okay, qu question, because I love how casual this sounds. You're like, somebody emails you with a cool project. You're like, I like this. I'll just email this other person I know. Now it's made. D with this this animator, did you sign anything with them? Did you say, like, I'm going to represent you? Or was this literally just like, I like your work. I'm going to email somebody. 
we had a pretty good relationship. We'd worked on something else before, and this was sort of like as that project was wrapping up, he um, he just put sent it over to put, put on my radar and like get my advice on it and like would we want to work on it together? And so we didn't sign anything. We it was pretty casual to be honest. Like I mean, it was it was. I would say that like pitching things tends to be like more formal than this, but I don't yeah. that often sign shopping agreements with artists that I work with. Some, I know other places do sometimes, um, but it's not typically like my course of business. So you were just like, I'm going to do this guy a favor. I don't even know if I'm going to be involved in this or if they say yes, they could just take his project and be like, thanks, thanks Alex, see you later. Or were you like, I'm, <laughs> I'm oh, no, it was definitely under an understanding of like, I really, he sent it to me sort of being like, I really like this. Like, I don't know what to do from here, mm. you know? And I was sort of like, well, do you want to, do you want to make more of these? Like, I think I could, I think I would at least know how to like explore that. And I, I could should. help produce this for you if you wanted to like find resources to, to make more episodes. And so it was, it was pretty clear going in that the understanding okay, would be, cool, cool. if I could find a path for it, we would be like working out together. And because, you know, I was, it was once it's, once that happens and someone says yes, like there's so many things that become like official that have to be yeah. managed. And... So then, so then cake said yes. And then you were just working on cake then. Yeah. So then I, that sort of launched my, essentially what happened was that launched my and Kate really reconnecting. And when we, we then like got together in person afterwards, and it turned out that there were like a lot of people that we were interested in working with together. There was actually another, um, there was a, a live action filmmaker and sort of like comedy crew that I was really good friends with. And she was also interested in working with them. And I sort of like wrangled that. And we ended up making a project for Kate that was live action called Two Pink Doors. And Kate and Drifters was the animated series I made with Gustav and Two Pink Doors was this live action thing. And those two shows became part of the first season of Cake. Nice. And they were both like, um, great experiences and like really proud of both those projects. And I think that we have like, everyone just had like a good experience working together and coming off of that, um, I basically like entered into like a more formal partnership with FX um, that was pretty cake focused in terms of like, this has been great, let's do more projects together. And they were like really tasking me with like, bring us more stuff like this and these went well, so let's let's level up those things. So Gustav and I, you know, we made Drifters and then we made this project Black Death together. And then that comedy crew that I worked with, we made a quarter hour project together as well. And uh, while also getting like a whole other slate of new projects going alongside that too. Wow, I love how things spiraled for you. So, okay, uh, can you give me an idea of what kind of 99% of your role is once you're working on a project? So A, you, you, know, you go out and get these new creators, but then B, are you managing the budget and finding people and you know coordinating? Like what, what, is, what is the main, as an independent, I guess, or uh, yeah, producer, like yeah, what, is, what is your my, main thing? My role as a producer is like typically, it's mostly focused on like the creative and strategic side of things. Um, so I often bring on partners when it comes to like actually, I can make budgets, but I, you're not, I'm not the person you want making the budget for your project. Like I, I, I can look at the budget and tell you if I think it's, if it's crazy, but like typically what I'll bring on is um, partners to like handle physical production, like budgeting, yeah. scheduling, accounting, stuff like that. Um, unless the project's like very small, then I'll do those things. So my job is more like, it starts with like, what's the project? What do we want to do? Let's figure out how to like articulate this and sell this. Then there's usually like a development period. 
in that period when like scripts are being written and there's like, you know, character design, all these sorts of things, if it's an animation, you know, I'm sort of managing that process like very intimately, like, you know, reading, sometimes I'm co-writing, but like often, more often I'm like just reading every draft and being like, this feels like it's really working. This part isn't working as well. And like, just as you get, a, when you start, those notes are like very broad and then like over drafts, they get more and more granular until you're like, great, this is ready to go. Like, let's get this to the network to sign off on and Thanks. see if they have notes. Um, and then once it goes into like production, um, it, I typically have like a partner that's like handling the more like nitty gritty production on the project. And my role is sort of being there alongside the creator to like, protect you know the creative of the project and make sure that like what's being done is like reflecting the intention of like the idea and the scripts and so an animation that can be anything from like you know reviewing the boards and the thumbnails and like i'll often direct or co-direct like the vo sessions just because like i know that process really well at this point what is v vo oh like recording the voiceover session oh, voiceover sorry yeah okay. yeah um and then you know as it moves along just sort of like being there and reviewing everything and being like, okay, this is, this is where it needs to be. Or like, this isn't working and we need to change this. And like, do, do we need to, maybe we need to rewrite this or like we need to cast somebody else for this or whatever it might be. Oh, wow. So it sounds like your role is basically evolving with the project constantly. Yeah, totally. And then often, you know, and then the other thing is sort of being a, a go between, between the project team and the, and the network and the studio and making sure that like, you know, they're up to speed, hearing their feedback and like implementing that and just making sure that like everyone's communicating with one another and on the yeah. same page and not like getting into some weird divergent place where there's gonna be like a big problem. Yeah. If you feel comfortable answering this, I'm curious about how you get paid because like, you know, as an animator or voice actor or whatever, uh, you know, you have a standard rate and you multiply that by hours and then you get paid. But it sounds like since you're involved in writing and, you know, management and talent acquisition and all that stuff, how do you, if, if you don't mind, like, how does that work? Sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't do any management of anything. I, I really, I basically both, I just produce and then, uh, and write. I, so I, you know, I get fees on the projects that I make. So I have like an ex, I have a executive producing fee, um, that on some projects that's like, depending on the format, it's like a preset fee based on like a pre-existing deal. And other things, if I like set up projects at other networks, I have like a lawyer um, and a manager that, and two managers who like will negotiate those EP fees. And then if I'm also writing, I get like a separate writing fee alongside the EP fee. So it sounds like a mismatch of just money <laughs> no, yeah it takes it takes like a lot of a lot of different forms yeah so what if what if I don't, so you said you got somebody to manage budgets but like what if you come out and the project's done like massively under budget and you're like great we have all this money left over what goes where's that money going um i don't know if i can like answer that question <laughs> well that's fine so i'm that. i'm super curious because i just don't i mean i've heard rumors but like um, i don't i, would I don't love know but if you feel comfortable I wish that I could tell. I wish. Okay, that so I we'll we'll gloss over that. So okay, let's talk about you know. Kind I of would say most places that you work with for like studios or whatever, like we'll basically ensure that that will never be the case. Fair. So then, yeah. if you're kind of uh, overseeing a lot of different things, how do you prioritize like the budget? And like you're like, okay, this needs a major rewrite, but that could cost more than just producing an extra, I don't know, like what, like how do you prioritize and make decisions when it comes to giving and taking to 
produce something. Um, like we could get this amazing voice actor, but they're twice the cost or we can. I mean, I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a conversation, like exactly like you're saying, like it's always going to be a give and take. So it's sort of making these like game time decisions often about, um, what is really valuable to this show? Like, is this person, is this, is this cast per, so for instance, Swan Boy. Yeah. That was a show where going in, we kind of knew, um, we kind of knew who like the core cast members were going to be, but then there was a slew of guest voices and there definitely was like an opportunity to kind of like go buck wild and, and get like 30 different people to come in and do, you know, a different voice for each one of these people. And instead, and I, and I give Branson a lot of credit for this. He was like, there were really only two roles in, in like the whole series that are like really important to me as like, as like guest people. And one of them was um, Henry Rollins and one of them was um, John Lovitz. And so we were like, let's just like, let's just do what we need to do to get them. And rather than trying to get 30 people. And then it was also like, you know, we have all these other voices. What's the most fun way that we could sort of approach that? And so we ended up working with we ended up um, working with James Adomian and Sydney Battle, both of whom came in and like they're both wizards, Adomian in particular, at doing like a zillion different voices. And so it was like a decision that allowed us to, you know, be a little bit more like efficient with our money and the budget in terms of like cast. It yeah. also allowed us to move a lot faster because we weren't having to set up like 30 recording sessions. So we would like get stuff in the can and be able to go away sooner. Um, and I think that was just like, it was a really good creative decision. It was a really good like procedural decision. Um, and so, yeah, you're always just sort of having to like, you know, you've got a set amount of money and a set amount of time. You also don't want to like burn people out by working them too hard to like overcompensate when things aren't going like perfectly. Yeah, so I like what you said about, you know, figuring out what's really important to the creator slash show and, and yeah, exactly. Doing your yeah. Best to do that. Nice. So, okay. Um, tell me more about, uh, you know, the stability of being an independent producer. Like, you know, you've been working on cake for a while. Uh, do you have like, I don't, I don't know if you're still working there, but say that ends, how do you get your next gig role or whatever? Like, are you, are you constantly putting yourself out there? Do you have like a lineup of jobs or like a network where you can just jump on a project and jump off a project? Like, how is yeah. that? Yeah, totally. So I'm not like, I'm not um, like full time at, at Cake. Like um, I, it's my deal with FX is like really fantastic where like I um, have a lot of Cake projects that I, that I produce sort of like at any given time. Um, but I'm allowed to do things outside of that as well. And so, you know, some of those are within FX. I'm doing like, like, like three half hour shows in development with FX at the moment. Um, wow. And then, but then also outside of there, I'm able to work on other, other things. So I'm working on like a um, animated preschool show at Apple. Uh, I have like an animated live action doc hybrid show at A24. I show ran this animated show, uh, Wildlife for Sci-Fi last year. Um, and then a bunch of feature stuff that I'm doing. And so I'm just sort of constantly. Yeah, sounds like it. Do you have lulls in your, like in seasons or stuff like that? Like, not really. I mean, I, you know, being independent, there's like a lot of pressure because you kind of got to like kill what you eat to like keep going. So you're yeah. sort of in like a perpetual state of like developing, like finding new things, developing those things, pitching those things, yeah. getting those, like selling those things, getting those things from being sold to being in production. Then like, delivering those things and then like trying to figure out if you're going to make the next one. And so you end up having 
you know, I think the idea ultimately is that like you're working on fewer and fewer projects because when you get paid more as they become more successful and it gets it gets easier and easier. Um, but I think in in general, like you kind of have to have a lot of stuff going at any given time. And and for me personally, I really I really like that. I like working on a lot of different stuff at once and find that they all end up like informing and bettering one another constantly. So you've been you've been an independent producer for almost seven years now, I guess. It's almost twenty twenty two. You know, are you actively working towards something in your career or projects to work on? Because you said you're working on features, a short form, animation, et cetera. Like, is there something that is, you also said you want to work on less and less projects. Is there, now that you've been doing this for a while, is there another step you want to get to? Um, I think, I don't have like a specific, I, I really like what I do now. I feel like extremely fortunate to be able to kind of like do what I'm doing at the moment and like work in all these different ways um, with like the filmmakers they do on the type of projects that I do. And honestly, my all I want to do is continue to do that. And I think the ambition is is more um, is more to just like constantly be leveling up in terms of what those projects are and having them be more and more ambitious. Um, not necessarily like. I guess in every way that that means, like, you know, part of, part of what I love is working with all these like amazing artists and filmmakers. And I think we're all kind of like coming up together. And the idea is that we're all going to be working together is we are able to get sort of bigger budgets and like more prominent distribution and more, you know, sort of become more and more established together and have the opportunity to do things that are just more and more elevated with while still being like, and being sort of like more and more popular. So um, hopefully I can just kind of continue to do that. Um, so, you're, you know, you're producing a lot of different projects and, you know, animation and, and live action, et cetera, is all storytelling and you're putting something out into the world. Is there a specific kind of, I guess, like heart or message? Uh, I think, I feel like you alluded to it kind of with searching for new and independent voices, but is there something that makes you feel really good or what you were trying to push out into the world with your work and what you're doing because it's yeah you, I definitely, you have so much opportunity to do something like that i guess yeah i think it's i think it's a few things but i think they're all sort of like wrapped into one i mean i definitely the thing that is most exciting to me always is working on projects with filmmakers where there is like something new that is being done and something like distinct and not in a way where it's like things should still be accessible like, I don't like things that are like, you know, wildly challenging and like way out there. Like, I think they need to be able to like connect with a mainstream audience. But the hope is that it's something where someone looks at and like, oh, I've never seen something quite like that before. I don't even, maybe they'd be like, I don't know if that's for me. But then after 15 seconds of watching, you're like, oh, I love this. And mm. all of my favorite things kind of have that quality, whether it's like, like Beetlejuice or, or what we do in the shadows or like Dave, like on FX was like a show that I was like, I don't think this show is for me at all. And now I absolutely adore that show. And so I, and, and I think the reason that those things are successful is because while they're trying to like do something new and evolve something from like a medium or like form standpoint, it's coming from a really authentic, like personal place. And it might be very specific, but there's something like really universal and sort of, uh, sympathetic and accessible at the core of that and yeah. so i'm like such a sucker for like you know and I, i'm a sucker for like heart and purpose and it's like a when pitching shows and talking about them in general developing them it's like the it's like the core part of it is always figuring out like why are we actually making this like what is this actually about what is 
like I'm working on an animated half hour show at the moment that's like about a, a slasher sort of like if Archer was like set in the world of like of slashers and it's like what is you know that's a show that's about like serial killers basically and people might not be into that if they're not already fans of like Friday the 13th or like Freddy or stuff like that and so it's like what is the thing that's going on underneath this that like anybody is going to is going to resonate with anybody and like have them connect to it and feel like connected to these characters in some way like they want to visit their friends or like go to this place so um that it just like that just like has to be part of it nice nice um i'm wondering you know if somebody's listening to this and they want to pursue an independent producing career either they're working for a company now or they're trying to make things happen on their own you know what is something that you would tell them to look out for or like pay attention to as they're as they're doing this that you've paid attention I, to or looked out for yourself <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i don't know maybe i mean i definitely think there's again i think the main the big thing for me has just always been like finding community and like finding mm. like-minded people whether they're like producers or or artists and just one because you will become part of this thing that will just sort of like evolve and everyone will really support each other. But I think it also helps you kind of come to understand yourself and like what you want to do and the type of, the type of work that you want to make. And I spent like way too long, I think, figuring that out. Mm. And, and I wish that I had been when I was first sort of like starting out, I wish that I'd been like a little bit more, if I wish I had more confidence in being able to articulate like, this is what I'm into. These are the types of movies I like. These are the types of like artists or filmmakers and like really like reached out to them and like made a point of like getting to them and like getting in that sort of like milieu, like at yeah. an earlier stage. What would have given you that more tentative about that? Than I should what would have given you more confidence when you were starting out to do that? Because, you know, looking back, you can say to do that now, but at the time you probably feeling nervous or misdirected or not confident enough. Like what would have, would, somebody saying this to you would have helped? Honestly, it's like the thing that I wish someone had told me. I wish like, I wish someone right. had like, been able to like look me in the eye when I was like, I wanna work in entertainment and media when I was like 21. They'd be like, what do you mean when you say that? Like, what do you actually imagine that is? And I would have been like, I like movies. And they're like, what kind of movies do you like? And I'd be like, I like these type of movies. And it's like, well, here are the production companies that make those kind of movies. You should go work for them. Yeah, or like, you should sense. figure out how to like get as close to these people as possible or, or, or the people who also want to get close to those people as possible. And, um, I think I met, I like obviously eventually found my, my way to that, but, um, I'm just like such a believer in, in like the power of sort of, yeah, just being in the right soup and just like bouncing off of the other people because the people who really love this stuff don't go anywhere. Like it's really hard and there's tons of failure. But like the ones who really love it stick around for a super long time. Like I literally just had a call with a guy, I won't say where, but I just had a call with um, an executive at like this sort of like new, newish platform that's doing really cool, interesting things. And I got, you know, I was, was put in touch with them. And then we, and I was like, I don't know if this guy's going to want to talk or whatever. Like maybe sometimes people are like standoffish. And we got on the call. He was like, hey, you don't remember this, but I was your intern 10 years ago at Montecito. Hey. And I was like, that's like the perfect example of like, this, you know, these people like stick around and end up in really interesting places. And like now it's so much, not only is that conversation then like so much more casual, but it's so easy to be like, hey man, like basically like, like check this thing out. Like we all know we've sort of been around trying to figure this out for a long time. Yeah. And uh, 
So yeah, I, I think like cool. just trying to like find figuring out what you like and finding your way as close as possible to the people who are into that stuff or making that stuff is like kind of everything. Nice. I love it. So, you know, we've talked about how you got into this career, you know, how you changed paths a couple times, actually, how you worked with cake, you're, where you're going, your best advice. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, I mean, the only, the thing that I think is really cool about right now, and that's part of why I was like so excited to be part of cake is it just does feel like kind of the most exciting time maybe ever for animation. Like it just is an unbelievable moment for it. And there are so many incredible people out there and doing things in like these new independent ways. And there's finally, I think like a genuine appetite on the part of like buyers and studios and financiers to like support that and like, and get behind it, whether it's doing things in adult animation that like aren't comedy or doing things that are in different styles or, you know, real time animation or all these things. And so, um, I, and I, and I'm finding that like, people are kind of like getting into that at like pretty young stages in their careers and not having to go through these like sort of like more traditional apprentice apprenticeship routes. And so, you know, obviously animation is a big focus of yours. So like, I just think it's, a, it's like, it is a really exciting time and I think it's only going to get better, but I also think it's also like a moment where everyone benefits from everybody else's success. Yeah. And so like just anyone who's doing stuff that's like different and interesting, like just commit to that and like push on it as hard as you can. Cause it's just good for everybody. Totally. I love it. Well, is there anything, I, is there anything else you wanted to share as we're kind of wrapping up? No, I'm good. That's <laughs> great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and you know how things are going and everything. It's been a pleasure to have you, Alex. And um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Terry. Appreciate cool. It. And uh, if you're listening and you want to reach out to Alex or check out some of his work or his website, you can do so by emailing him at alex at nicetry.co or just checking out his website, which is nicetry.co. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.